Oftentimes, people think that these levels are about the amount of money. These levels aren't, for me, just about the amount of money. It's about something very specific. It's about having the mental, emotional, and physical ability to operate at these levels. Because let me tell you something. There are some people that are making $100,000 a week, and yet they're at level one scarcity. Why? Because maybe um, they're burning out to create that. Maybe they don't have any time, maybe they don't have any energy, or maybe their outgoings are more than 100,000 a week, so they're still at scarcity. So scarcity for me is when I don't have the mental, physical, and emotional ability to live life on my own terms. Philanthropist, public speaker, and author, creator of the Beyond Intention Paradigm. Here is your host, Daniel Mengena. Right, let's uh, let's get started. Um, how many of you here right now? How many of you would like to be financially free at some point? How many of you listen to me very carefully? How many of you don't actually believe that financial freedom is something that's really possible for you? How many of you don't actually believe that financial freedom is possible for you? Well, the thing is, is that I've spent the last pretty much half a decade supporting people in creating financial freedom. So I know it's real, but I'm also very, very familiar with some of the challenges that people face on the journey to financial freedom. So here's the thing. Financial freedom means different things to different people. What I'm going to be doing first and foremost today is giving you my definition of financial freedom. I'm going to be inviting you. Um, I'm going to be inviting you to actually give me your feedback about what that definition is and creating not only your own definition for financial freedom, but identifying your financial freedom number and helping you see the possibilities that everything that you've been learning over this time is going to support you into actually creating financial freedom for yourself, okay? So with that being said, um, first things first. Now, I know that we are using the Q&A. We're using the Q&A in order to, um, to, to respond. Um, so the first thing is, what does financial freedom mean to you? So here we have um, a diagram that I call the triangle to abundance. Now. Oftentimes, people think that these levels are about the amount of money. These levels aren't, for me, just about the amount of money. It's about something very specific. It's about having the mental, emotional, and physical ability to operate at these levels. Because let me tell you something. There are some people that are making $100,000 a week, and yet they're at level one scarcity. Why? Because maybe um, they're burning out to create that. Maybe they don't have any time, maybe they don't have any energy, or maybe their outgoings are more than 100,000 a week, so they're still at scarcity. So scarcity for me is when I don't have the mental, physical, and emotional ability to live life on my own terms. Stability, which is level two, means I do have the mental, physical, and emotional ability to live life on my own terms, but it requires me to exchange time and energy. So that could mean that I've got a job. It could mean that I'm working in my business. It could mean that I'm exchanging my time in some way, shape, or form to make the money to live life on my own terms. What we're talking about today, however, guys, is level three, which is freedom. And for me, freedom is this. I have the mental, physical, and emotional ability to live life on my own terms 
without the need to exchange my time and energy. So in simple terms, that could mean my living costs are 5,000 a month, but I have income of 5,000 a month that comes in without me having to exchange time and energy. So that could mean passive income. It could mean real estate income. It could mean dividends. It could mean that I've got enough capital to live on, whatever the thing is, but I've got the resources to have that money every month without me needing to exchange my time and energy. But here's the really crazy thing, guys. Often people are doing one of a couple of things. Number one, either they are so separated from the idea of being financially free that they don't actually go for it, or they don't have the pieces of the puzzle together to convert the possibilities, the potentials, and the opportunities into financial freedom. Let me give you a quick story. About three and a half years ago, I had a woman that was working with me, and um, and uh, we did an exercise around this, and I asked her, hey, what's your financial freedom number? AKA, what's the amount of money that you need to be coming in for you to live life on your own terms, for you not to need to do anything to exchange to go and get that? And uh, she said, 100,000 a month. So I said to her, dude, you need $1.2 million a year to live life on your own terms. She said, yes, then. I need 100,000 a month. And so I asked her to do something that we're gonna do today, and that you probably have to finish um, as your, you know, I don't really want to call it homework, but it's homework. Your takeaway assignment, we'll call it. And I asked her to go away and calculate everything that she wants to do, uh, list it all down and actually work out what it costs. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to, I want just two guesses because I don't want to be here forever. Two guesses. How much do you think it actually cost her? When she did all the calculations, how much do you think she remember she projected she needed a hundred thousand dollars every single month to be financially free? It was three and a half thousand dollars. You see, the very, very sad thing is that there are so many people that believe that financial freedom is a scam, that it's not real, that it's not a possibility, it's not something they're going to experience because they've got these really conflated ideas about how much they actually need to be financially free. So one of the things I really want you to walk away with today is that financial freedom is real. It is possible. We're going to teach you how to calculate your financial freedom number. And we're going to talk about exactly how you can start to move away from exchanging time and energy for your income to having financial freedom, having that security, living life on your own terms without needing to exchange time and energy for it. Does that sound like something you're interested in? So first thing that I want you to do is I want you to guess. You don't have to put it in the chat. I want you to, hopefully you should have a notebook or something you can write down and I've got mine here. I want you to write down and if you haven't got it there, get whip out your phone, open up a note or a Google Doc or whatever the thing is. And I want you to estimate what do you think your financial freedom number is? This is for you. What do you think your financial freedom number is? Okay, I'll give you a couple more secs. Remember, you're just guesstimating what it is you're probably not going to be able to get the exact figure today, but I'm going to give you some things that you're going to be able to do to go away and work out your exact figure. But I can tell you after you know five or six years now of taking people through the process of actually getting them to financial freedom, very, very, very rarely is it as much as you think it is. But I'm going to give you some, some tips and some strategies that you can use to get around that. Okay, so you've got your guest of it. And I want you to look at that number. And I want you to ask yourself, does that number match up with the amount of income that you actually make now? And 
If you didn't have to exchange time and energy, would you even need as much income as you need now? Let me put this into context. So we had one particular couple that I worked with. They were on about 160,000. They were Canadian, about 160,000 Canadian dollars, 160, 170, something around that region of total household income that they were making every year. Now, the husband was actually very stressed uh, with his job, really, really wanted to get away from his job. It was really, really damaging his health. And, uh, you know, they came to work with me in order to, to rectify that and to make the change over. And by taking advantage of some of the strategies that I'm going to be teaching you today, they were able to step into financial freedom, yes, and do so with significantly less. In fact, they were able to get their month-to-month outgoings without reducing the quality of life, in fact, increasing the quality of life to less than half of that figure. You see, so often, a lot of the things that we're actually spending money on aren't even things that we want. I'm not going to say things that we need, because it's not about need. Living life in your own terms isn't about need. I'm not asking you to play small. I'm asking you to make the playing field bigger. But they were able to do that, increase the quality of life. Simple things. Um, at the moment, I'm in Dubai. I'm in Dubai right now. But generally, I live in Los Cabos, Mexico. And I spent my time roughly half and half between here and Mexico and summers I normally spend in Italy. But different parts of the world and also different parts of the country that you live in are going to be able to afford you different price points for aspects of your life. And sometimes, if you're prepared to look outside of the box, to do so at a reduced rate. So, for example, somebody wants to live by the beach. Hmm. I want to live by the beach. Does it have to be Manhattan Beach, LA? You know, Manhattan Beach, California. Um, I remember when I was house hunting in, in, in Manhattan Beach when I was planning to move to the US, God, about four years ago now, four and a half years ago now. And I was looking at these houses and they wanted like five, six million dollars for lovely houses, but not much of a garden. Everything's tightly packed next to each other. And yet, if you were to take that money and to move it to other parts of the country, I'm not even talking about internationally, to other parts of the country. In fact, just a little bit further down the beach in Hamosa, you can pay half and get about the same, maybe even a bit more land. You can go a bit further north, for example, and also get something bigger. So I want you to start thinking outside of the box and we start looking at the execution of this later. But for now, I just want you to start reflecting on this number that I've put out right? This number that I've said, okay, this is the number that I need. Does it represent things that I actually want? Or is it just things that I've been programmed or that I've been habitually playing out? This is very, very important with the uh, takeaway assignment that I'm going to be giving you, because I really want you to take some time and really, really sit down and think about what do I want? You've asked yourself that question. How many of you, having looked at the number that you posted, actually reflected and realized that's not really the number that I actually need. It's not the number that reflects what I want. It's just the number that I've been playing out. Leave the taxes out of it. Let's just go gross for now. We'll go gross because um, regardless of where you are in the world, there are always really clever things that you can do with tax. And we're going to get to dealing with tax and stuff a bit later in the series. But just give me a gross number for now. So this is the thing, guys. You know, there's a, there's another model that I teach um, called the flow funnel. We're not going to talk about that today because it's not really relevant. And I, I don't want to go off, off piste here. But so often we're going through our life without really consciously deciding anything. If we're not consciously deciding anything, then how are we going to be able to create an effective strategy? 
how many people haven't started like the lady in the story I told you about earlier. She pulled this number out of the, out of the air. And, you know, that three and a half thousand a month using the strategies that I'm going to teach you, you guys about, you know, that was her being chauffeured. It was having a private chef. It was having all of these things, things that she didn't really even think were possible for her. And yet now she is actually financially free. She actually came to an event I held in Mexico um, a month ago now. And she's living financially free now. She's traveling around. She's doing what she wants. She's now making significantly more than the three and a half thousand. But in order to get off the starting block, she had to truly connect with the possibility. And she couldn't do that before because she had this inflated number. So how many of you actually believe that it's possible for you to hit the number that you wrote down? But no, let me put it this way. How many of you don't think it's possible? For you to hit the number that you put down. Let's move on to this then. Let's move on to starting the process of calculating our financial freedom number. So we're not going to be able to finish this exercise here because I don't want to take up the time with doing the exercise. I want you to go speak to your spouse, speak to your family, do some research. But this is the step-by-step -step way that you're going to calculate your financial freedom number. We're going to start using um, the baseline of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And you're going to ask yourself, where would I live? Now, I don't want you to pick a physical location. I want you to pick characteristics. Would you live somewhere sunny? Like, for example, me, I've escaped cold weather consistently. Uh, the last time I had cold weather was January 2019. I was doing an event in New York. Other than that, I have escaped cold weather. I haven't had any cold weather. That for me is something that means a lot to me. I escape cold weather, that's my thing. So I want you to think about that. I have a friend of mine who, he lives in Finland. He's an Australian guy. He's moved to bloody Finland because he wants to be in nature. He lives in this little village up near the Arctic Circle. That floats his boat, uh, not for me. I have some people that like four seasons. I have some people that they like sort of more of a temperate climate most of the time. What I want you to do is write down what are the characteristics of where I want to live, okay? Then once you've got the characteristics of where you want to live, I want you to start working out how many rooms do I need? So um, for me, uh, I have my son. I have a very, very big family who likes to visit. So I like three bedrooms. Three bedrooms for me is a normal thing. So whenever I'm thinking about this kind of exercise for me, I need three bedrooms. I also tend to prefer apartments with a view. So I need three bedrooms, I need sun, and I need a view, all right? So what we're doing is we're cutting down the infinite possibilities of where we would live and drilling it down to a set of characteristics, all right? Once you've got that, start looking at other things. I've got a list of things that need to be in the areas where I live. I practice Brazilian jiu-jitsu, so I need to have a jiu-jitsu gym. Um, I like to play golf, so I need to make sure I've got access to a golf club. I like to be in, in, in eyesight of water, so I need to be near water. When I'm here in Dubai, for example, I tend to find myself out and about in the marina because I love it there. Um, it's got the beach, five minutes walk away. I can see the water. Those things matter to me. So you're going to build out this list of things of where you want to live. Then you're going to start doing some research into whether you, no, then you're going to ask yourself, am I happy to stay in the country that I am or am I open to moving? 
Now, for some of you, that might be more difficult. I have one couple, for example, they really, really, really do want to leave the country that they're in, but they're waiting for their children to get a little bit older. So in two or three years, they're going to be able to move. They're excited about moving. I have some people that want to stay where they live. They're happy to live in Australia or in the UK, or they're happy to live in America or in Canada or wherever the thing is. There are some people that want the adventure of moving. So do I want to stay in the same place? If you're happy to stay in the same place, then you're going to be looking at where are some places that I can live that match these characteristics where I am. If you're a bit more adventurous and you're going to be moving further afield, then you're going to be asking yourself, which parts of the world have these characteristics that I'm looking for? Now, of course, if you're thinking about moving abroad, you need to start factoring in language. So, for example, where I live in Mexico, in Los Cabos, most people speak English. So you don't need to be as competent with Spanish. When I lived in another town in Mexico before, nobody spoke any Spanish. And so it was important for me to actually learn Spanish. Where I'm here in the Middle East, everybody speaks English, so I don't need to learn Arabic. When I'm in Italy, I tend to be in Tuscany and tend to be in slightly more touristy places. And so I can get away with my very rudimentary Italian and my uh, and my English. So you need to bring these factor these in. So the first thing is we're going to do this exercise and we're going to use it to calculate where we'd like to be. And then you're going to go window shopping. So you're going to go online and you're going to start looking for a place, a place that matches what you'd like. Now, here's the thing. Oftentimes, people think that they have to buy the place that they're in. I personally am of the school of thought that you rent where you are and you put that capital into cash generating assets and have that pay for where you live. Again, this comes down to you and your preferences. If you're staying in the jurisdiction of the country where you are now, it's possible that you can get a mortgage. There are other creative ways to finance. But I want you first and foremost to just find the place. Now, assuming that you found the place, you want to start working out the numbers for what it's going to cost to actually have that. Now, again, if it's possible, I would say rent, rent or lease where you are and any money that you would have put into buying, put it into other assets. But, you know, that's a conversation for another time. But work out the number for where you are. OK, then you want to start looking at your living expenses, such as groceries. Now, I would say for groceries, just use the number of what you kind of spend now and assume if there are some things that you would want to have on top of that, add it on. Maybe you'd like to upgrade from having sparkling wine in the house to having some champagne. Okay, well, go and do some, crunch some numbers on that and include that in your in your cost for that. In terms of your utilities, some rudimentary searches should be able to give you some numbers on the utilities. If you do have children or dependents that are going to be going into education, ask yourself, do I want them to be in private education? Do I want them to be in public education? My son is only two. So he does go to a private little school, but it's a little school. So I don't have to think about that for now. But I know in the future that that's going to go up. So I've got that factored into what I need to be doing with my financial freedom numbers going forward. So once you've got those basics covered, you will have the number for what I call financial freedom level one. See, financial freedom level one is my basics. House is covered. Kids are fed. You know, there's food in the fridge, so on and so forth. Uh, your car is in there, your car payments are made and you've got gas in your car and what have you. That's financial freedom level one. The mistake that I see people make if they get this far with me is they start to jump to what I call financial freedom too, which is popping bottles of Cristal or Dom Perignon every evening, um, enjoying the finest caviar and steaks and so on and traveling first class all over the world. Now, 
I want you to understand that you can get there. We have people that are doing that using this process, okay? But I want you to start with financial freedom level one. And there's a specific reason why I want you to do that. Because once you've got financial freedom level one established, you're going to understand that financial freedom is really possible for you and you're going to get to financial freedom faster. So for those of you who have a job or are exchanging your time and energy for something now, if you can have your basics covered, think about all of that time and energy that you get back. I have people, for example, that were working 40 hours a week plus the, the commute. Now they get to bring all of that time back. They've got time that they can then reinvest back into themselves to create access to more income so that they can increase their financial freedom number. Okay. So I want you to focus on financial freedom level one for your figure first. Once you've got that, then you can start to add things to it. Do you want a couple of vacations? Do you want a second home? We've got people that have done that. Do you want to start up, upping from flying economy to flying business class and first class? Fine, do it. We've got people that are getting to multiple six figures a year in financial freedom income, passive income, by following this formula and following the steps that we've taught them. But it starts with understanding your figures and understanding that it's possible. Once you have that down and you actually start to move physically into the freedom, then we can start to expand the freedom, deepen it and add more yummy, um, yummy things to it. Let's start to break this down a little bit now. How many of you really, really want to be rich? How many of you want to be rich? You're desiring to be rich. Yeah, for me, just so you know, for me, riches, abundance and all that stuff, if it doesn't have time, energy, love, vitality, purpose and quality of life, it's not rich. Just having money for me isn't rich at all. In fact, there are a lot of really broke rich people out there. But there are also some very, um, very abundant rich people. And that's the kind of riches that we're going to be supporting you and creating the groundwork for in these sessions. So one of the things I love doing, and it's something I've been passionate about doing for the last sort of half a decade, and it's probably what I'm most famous for, is helping people to get rich. We've helped people get to a millionaire in less than a year. We've helped people create financial freedom in as little as 60 days, all of the things. But what I want to do is I want to give you some of the, 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 the tactics and the number crunching shifts that are going to support you getting there. You see, a million a year, whether it's euros, dollars, pounds, or whatever it is, a million a year isn't that difficult to do. When I introduce this mindset shift to people, it really, really supports them in breaking this down and actually getting there. Now, I know that you guys have been learning all about creating an online business, learning all about really sort of turning the dial on what you're creating in terms of your finances. So you've already got some of the formula, but what I want you to do is I want you to do this. I want you to take 1 million. So 1 million, 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3, divided by 12 equals 83,333 a month. 83,333 a month. How many of you thought that having a million a year in income was going to be significantly more than 83 grand to create? See, when, when people say, oh, my God, you helped these people make millions in such a short period of time. One of my clients, actually, one of my coaching clients, um, she actually sent me a message today on Instagram. We're chatting on Instagram. She's like, Dan, I had my first six-figure week. 
I was like, how do you feel? She's like, I actually feel quite the same. And I was like, yeah, because it's really not a big deal. She says, yeah, now that I've done it, it doesn't feel like it was such a big deal. But even this number over a month isn't that big a deal. Let's divide it by four. 20,000. 20,000 a week. Now, what I want you to bear in mind is that I doubt any of you need a million dollars a year in order to be financially free, right? Um, to get to level one, most of you are probably going to be in the two to $5,000 range or thereabouts in your local equivalent currency. Does anyone think that their level one financial freedom figure is going to be more than 5000 a month? Because it's, it's not that big a deal, actually. It's probably not the big deal. And again, when you get a bit deeper into it and you're actually experiencing financial freedom and you start to expand your financial freedom experience, go ahead, blow the boat out. I mean, like I said, we've got guys that are doing multiple six figures. They're traveling, they're doing the thing, they're enjoying life. Cool, lovely, yummy, fabulous, delicious. But first and foremost, what I really want you to do, I really want you to do is get that level one. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, with kids, maybe that goes up a little bit. But still, at a million a year, we're talking about 20,000 a week. Let's divide that by five not even by seven, let's divide it by five. That's four grand. Now, is $4,000 that big a deal to create online with the right product and the right marketing strategy? Is it really that big a deal? Now, let's divide this by 10. We're dividing it by 10 because instead of it being 1 million, we're talking about 100,000, right? So 100,000 becomes 8,000. 333 per month, 2,000 a week, $416 a day if we're playing the five-day week. Now, bear in mind, we're talking about online. And online never sleeps, especially if you've got some kind of income that's going across jurisdictions. So let's divide 100,000 by 12. And let's divide that by four. And let's divide, hang on a minute. Let me redo my calculations. One hundred, one, two, three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can count. Divided by 12, 8,333. Divide that by four, 2,000 a week. And divide that by seven. Yeah, $297 a day. Now, bearing in mind that if we're working online, which is just one of the ways to create passive income. We've actually got more than a dozen ways that we support people in creating passive income. If we divide 297, let's just call it 300 by 24. That means you're looking at creating income streams that are going to be able to generate you $12.5 an hour. Now, the really funny thing for me about making money is I think people lose sight of the fact that making money really is just exchanging value with people for solving a problem for them or liberating them from a place of pain. So to put this into real terms, to make this personal, I want you to think about the problems that you've had in your life over this last week that you've paid someone for. So for example, I had an Uber driver move me today, move me between two places in time and space today. I paid them equivalent of about 17 dollars i think i had some food delivered which was very very yummy uh i paid a 
I think about 30 bucks for the food that I had sent to me today. I bought some water. Um, I got quite a fair bit of water, paid a few bucks for that. I exchanged my money with people for them to solve a problem for me. The problem of having um, a thirst, the fact that I'm a human and need water to survive, the fact that I needed to move between two places. I'm paying someone to solve the problem of me having somewhere to stay by having a roof over my head. Um, I'm paying for the internet that I'm using to communicate with you today. I paid for this computer. I paid for this camera. I paid for this light, right? These are all problems that were solved for me, pain points that I had, and I exchanged. And every single one of them, for the most part, apart from the water, because I didn't get that much, was more than $12.50. So all I really need to do to be free, to the tune of 100000 a year, which I'm sure is a lot more than many of you need for level one of financial freedom, I need to be able to have income streams that generate at least $12.50 an hour of problem-solving remuneration over the course of its lifetime. Is that an outlandish thing to ask of the world of problems, of the seven and a half, eight billion people in the world, is it unreasonable for me to expect that I can find people with problems that I can solve myself or have someone solve on my behalf where I can make $12.50 over the course of an hour? No, it's not. It's not unreasonable. And so I ask you, how many of you still have any doubt in your mind that financial freedom is not something that's possible for you. Does anybody doubt that financial freedom is real, that it's possible? And here's the thing, guys. Once you have your number, then it's simply a matter of starting to extrapolate what we can do. And we're going to start playing with that now. Some ideas of how we can start generating passive income. And I'm going to start by sharing some of the ways over the last five or six years, we've been helping people create passive income in terms of what we actually do to create the income. Now, you already know, online business. You can use e-commerce. You can sell information products online. You don't even have to create the information products that you're selling. You can use open source um, information products. Now, ChatGBT AI is making it even easier to create products that you can sell online. How do you know what to sell online? You can use ChatGPT and AI, you can use Google, you can use YouTube and see what are people searching for that are problems that they have. And then you can go out and you can either go on Fiverr, you can go on Upwork and you can create digital products that you can sell to people and be marketing those online through things like ClickFunnels to be generating income for you. And some of these tools are amazing. It's absolutely ridiculous what you can do now with information products. Moving away from information products, real estate is a monster. And some of you are thinking, I don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars to start investing in real estate. This is one of the great things about the way that money works. And I'm going to talk about using other people's money in, in a minute. It's one of the most powerful things that we're going to talk about with the financial freedom uh, formula, because I personally, um, I don't like people using their own money to be financially free. I like people solving someone else's problem by using their money to create financial freedom. I'm gonna teach you a little bit more about how to do that today. But real estate's great, and there's so many different ways to make money with real estate now. You can use rent to rents, you can use um, um, the, the Airbnb platform, the VRBO platform to do short-term lets. You can do that for other people who've got a property, and you can actually use that for them. 
Um, and there's so much software and technology you can use right now to actually do Airbnb and short-term lets without even being there. And so many agencies. One of my mates here in Dubai, in fact, two of my mates here in Dubai, that's what they do. One of my mates, Kaspar, he's got a couple of hundred properties that he manages for people, but he uses software and he uses staff. He's got a business that operates in and of itself. So he actually is passively getting income and he's not even using his own properties. He's using other people's properties. There's things like wholesaling, right? And the really cool thing is, again, there are people who want to wholesale, but don't have the money to actually do the wholesaling. So one of my passive income streams is I invest in somebody who does wholesaling. I pay all the marketing costs for his wholesaling and he splits the money with me. He makes at least $5,000 on the deal and he splits the 5,000 with me. So I spend about 1,600 supporting his marketing efforts. That gets about a thousand letters out, thousand pieces of marketing out. And every one to 2,000 pieces of marketing that he sends out, he'll get one to two deals closed. So for every 1,600 that I put out, I'm making on average about $2,500 at the minimum. I've had more, I've had like three and a half of that, 4,000, depending on the size of the deal. What do I actually do? Nothing. How much do I put up? Nothing. Why? Because I have a 0% credit card that I use to fund pay for his marketing. So I've got a credit card that gets hit automatically every month. The total time it took for me was filling in a form once, he gets 1600 out of me. Uh, I think we do that monthly at the moment. And then when he gets a deal, he drops the money in my bank account. If I want more information on it, I can get more information, but it's passive for me. I sit back and I just let him send me money. I've got another deal we're working on with another much bigger wholesaler who does a lot more volume. And we're working with someone else that uh, generates leads on, on YouTube for wholesaling. Again, I'm going to pay the marketing costs. In this instance, it's a bit more between seven and 10,000, but that's going to generate more leads. They're talking about, you know, 16-ish, 16 or 17 leads for that amount of investment. And again, on every deal, I'm going to be making no less than about two and a half to three thousand dollars that goes through, right? Again, completely passive. So there's really interesting ways that you can do it. Now, as well as that, you can start looking at getting investors and going to get, you know, uh, uh, investment property. And the really cool thing is that there's so many different ways that you can make money with real estate in different parts of the world. Also, my brother and I, for example, we use assisted living in the UK. That's where I'm from. That's where the funny accent's from. Uh, and what we do with that is that we actually have um, um, people that do care work. We get uh, a property. We partner with them. They get contracts from the government to care for people in those properties. And then we split the money that they get from the government contract. There's also social housing. It's another thing that we do in the UK where local councils will give us guaranteed income for five years on a piece of property. And they take care of all of the maintenance. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to look at it. And they have to return the property back to us in exactly the state that they found it in. So once you start to, to look outside of the box and look a little bit further afield, there's so many different interesting things you can do in terms of how to make money. In terms of the e-commerce world, we do some amazing things with Amazon. We've got some really great partners that set up Amazon stores for our clients and they go ahead and manage it for them. And we've got about three or four other e-commerce strategies as well. We've got people making thousands of dollars a month net from passive income on e-commerce that they're doing nothing for at all. People run all of it for them. All right. So there's lots of different ways that you can make money and significantly more than the twelve and a half dollars an hour that we need to be making as a baseline to really be thinking about being financially free to the true to six figures a year. 
which for many people is replacing, you know, replacing it, replacing an income. It's putting them in a position where they can really do some really fun things with their life. They can have more time with their family, more time to, for hobbies. I have one of my ladies. She's one of the people who got the financial freedom really, really, really quickly. She's on just shy of 200000 a year now in passive income. The main thing that she wanted to do was to be able to spend time with her granddaughter, to spend time with her son, and to be able to do charity work. And she gets to do that all day. Her and her partner now have invested in a property that they bought that they've turned into an Airbnb because he's a chef. He, he's now retired early as a chef, but he still enjoys hosting people. So they're not doing this business because they need to do it. They're doing it because it's something that they want to do. I don't need to be here today. I'm going to be financially free regardless of whether I lift another finger to do something else because I've got sufficient income streams. But that means that I get to choose what I want to do. When Paul's like, hey, I've got some really cool people. I'd love for you to help them with their finances and give them some cool education. I'm like, cool. I love it because I enjoy doing this kind of thing. It, it feels yummy to me. And when you're financially free, you get to choose to be able to do that. Does that make sense? I'd like then to move on to some ideas about how you can actually finance your financial freedom. Because like I said, I don't really want any of you, you know, going away from here thinking, oh my God, I need to go and find the money to do this. I need to go and find the money to do that. I want to give you part of our secret formula for how you can actually start to get this ball rolling right away. So first thing is that there are many different types of capital that you have that you didn't even know that you had. See, most people, when they start thinking about things, um, they start thinking, oh my God, um, money is the only type of capital. I'm gonna tell you a very, very quick story. We're gonna talk about tax efficiency when we get more into the business started sessions. So we, we are gonna get into that. but. Um, I, for example, have legally not paid it. Well, no, I paid some tax to the IRS last year and we got a very, very small tax bill this year from the IRS. Um, but in general, on all of my income, I've not paid any tax legally since 2012. And that's because um, tax laws, regardless of where you are in the world, uh, there is always strategies available for you to be more tax efficient. There's a difference between being tax efficient and evading taxes. I'm not talking about evading. I'm talking about being efficient in your structure so your tax bill is minimized. I always laugh when I look at people from the States, for example, because, um, you know, the United States, the whole independence party started with the Boston Tea Party, where they're like, oh, we don't, we don't want to pay taxes to the king. Ah. And they threw the tea in the water and everything started with the revolution. And yet uh, the British tax system is one of the most beautiful tax systems in the world. Um, most beautiful. Uh, if you live in a country where you don't have global taxation, then there's an amazing strategy called asset protection, which um, again, if you're interested in that, let the team know and I can put you in contact with some amazing resources for that. If you do have global tax, if you do have global taxation, then generally speaking, there are going to be loopholes in your local jurisdiction for you to be able to create efficiency. Um, so, for example, in the US, there's a lot of tax write-offs. Um, for anyone that's based in the United States, we actually have an ex-IRS agent that we use as the consultant for all of our clients for them to get their tax bills down to as close to zero as they can get. Um, uh, there is trust structures that you can use as well to be more tax efficient. There's always a way because ultimately, and it's, you know, I don't, I'm not saying that this is a good thing and I'm not, you know, happy about this for the most part, but Taxes were designed for the middle class to be 
the tax base. It's not based on the people that understand the system to be able to be the tax base. Um, that's the way that it works is the long story short. And um, and there's always the ways, ways around that. So regardless of where you are, uh, sort of Belgium, uh, does Belgium have global taxation? As in, do you pay taxes regardless of where in the world your money was made? Because if you don't, then you, you're eligible for asset protection and you can get your tax bill down to zero. Okay, so if you're on global taxation, then um, we probably need to hook you up with one of our, our global taxation specialists to be able to help you with that. But ultimately, um, for an entity to be owed, for an entity to owe tax to the jurisdiction where it's tax liable, um, then the entity has to be making its income the entity that makes the income has to have a tax liability to the jurisdiction where it's based. So if a Belgian entity, see tax is it's law, right? It's basically you owe taxes as a citizen. So if I gave up my UK citizenship, which I'm, I'm not going to do, then I would no longer be indebted to the crown for any of my income. And I'm not going to go into the history of taxation and, and where it all comes from, because that's completely different, a different conversation. But ultimately, taxes were that the people who owned the rights to the land, initially it was on pain of pain, like under the, the sword. They say, hey, for you to be on this land, for you to have the rights to my protection, uh, for you to have the rights to be able to farm on this land or whatever the thing is, you're going to give me money or I'm going to beat you up or kick you off my land. All right. Um, so it's basically racketeering is what taxation was. It's become, it's become more sophisticated over time. There's more narratives that are created around it. We need the money for this and we need the money for that and so on and so forth. And I'm not talking about giving up your civil, um, your civil duties, but ultimately that's where taxation came from. So ultimately you need to be indebted to the jurisdiction because you have an agreement with them, either as a citizen or as a corporation within that jurisdiction. As long as, your, as long as the jurisdiction of your trading entity isn't based in that jurisdiction, that entity doesn't owe any money to, uh, to, to that jurisdiction. So we've got Belgium that's come up. Um, a Belgian citizen who personally earns money anywhere in the world, if there's global taxation, will owe money to the Belgian government, just like a US citizen. If they personally make any money as an entity anywhere in the world, they have to declare it to the IRS and be taxed. However, if an entity in, for example, um, the Grand Caymans, for example, I'm, I'm not, probably not the best example, but I'm just using that one as an example. I'll use Dubai because I'm here now. If a company is based in Dubai where there's no corporation tax, a company based in Dubai does not owe any taxes to anyone. Now, if a Belgian citizen had a stake in a Dubai company, then the Belgian citizen would have to pay taxes on what their stake was. So if they had a 10% stake in the business, their dividend or their profit share would be taxable to the Belgian government. If there was a step between them and the Dubai entity, such as a trust, then if that trust was not based in Belgium or subject to Belgian tax, then that trust would not need to pay taxes to the Belgian government. Anyway, we've gone a little bit further down the rabbit hole on taxes than I wanted to go today. 
Well, maybe we'll do something on 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 that a bit later. But I don't really want to go off. <laughs> I don't want to go off kilter. For those of you who are based in the US, if you want, I do, as I said, have an ex um, an ex IRS agent who um, who's US based. She's absolutely awesome. She'll give you a tax plan and she'll get your taxes down to near zero. She's amazing. For the UK, asset protection is the way forward. Again, uh, I actually had a company that did that for several years. So I've got some great contacts for that. So if you're in the UK, let me know. We can get you set up with an excellent tax strategy. Basically, if you don't have global taxation, we can use asset protection. If you do have global taxation, the structure gets a little bit more complicated, but it can still be done to get your taxes right down. All right. I do want to speak about um, um, I do want to speak about um, financing and we've only got a few minutes left. So let me quickly get onto that with some strategies for financing. So first and foremost, um, I was saying we've got four different capitals. So people think that money's the, the most important thing. I wanted to tell you a story that I got from one of my mentors. I don't have the time to do the story this time. Maybe next time I'll tell you the story. Someone reminds me, hey, Dan, tell me the story about your mentor when you're talking about different types of capital. But ultimately, relationships are actually more powerful than money in the bank. Uh, the story that I will tell you at some point will tell you a bit more than that. You've also got time, you've got energy, you've got intellect, you've got skills. So you might not have money to pay someone to do something for you in order to create passive income, but you might have another skill that you can exchange with them. So um, I had one guy, he wanted to do, to do real estate. He didn't have the capital to do real estate. So what he did was he took the skills that he learned in terms of putting together real estate deals, and he actually traded those with people for equity slices in their transactions he took that cash and then got off to, went off to the races and started to build his real estate portfolio. So that's one strategy. But ultimately, I think, um, I really think the smartest, most lovely, yummy thing to do is just get the banks to put up the money for you. Um, and there are different ways you can get the banks to put the money up for you. Now, what I need you to understand is that when you're getting banks to put the money up for you, you're actually solving a problem for them. Does everyone ever remember that Silicon Valley bank that went under about a month or two ago? Do you know why that bank went under? That bank went under because they weren't lending out enough money. Because they didn't lend enough money, they ended up going under. Banks need to lend money out in order to be in profit, in order to operate. So they want to partner with you. They want to give you money to go and do things. And so you're actually solving their problem by actually taking their money. And there are different ways you can do that. If you have equity in your home or in a piece of real estate, you can use equity releases. Um, uh, you can use business loans from the bank. You can use overdrafts in the bank. One of the easiest ways, especially if you guys are based in the US, to be honest, I would say about 80% of the people that we work with have used a strategy, credit cards. Credit cards are amazing. It's unsecured. You can generally get a couple of hundred thousand, anything from like, you know, one to 200,000 in, 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 in equity from the banks through credit cards. And if you deploy that, that could put you over a hundred thousand very, very quickly in terms of income. Other strategies that you've got as well is getting actual investors, getting people to put equity into what you're creating. All right. Another strategy that you've got is have you got a pension, right? Your pension's probably making 1%. 2% in the stock market, maybe, and that's about the tank. How about deploying it and taking control of your own financial future? Another really interesting thing to look at is, do you have underperforming investments that you've got right now that would be better positioned to creating financial freedom for you? 
Have you got a certificate of deposit that's making you 0.3% a year? What if you took that money and put it into real estate, or put it into an e-commerce store, or put it into something else? So start thinking in terms of that. Right. Um, we're running, we've run out of time, guys. I went off on a bit of a rant about the taxation. I'm really, really sorry about that. But I really would encourage you to go and do that assignment, calculate your actual financial freedom number, and start looking at some of these ideas that I've shared with you. Maybe you've got some of the ideas of your own and start looking at then, okay, what sort of capital do I need to, to execute my plan that I've got together? And we can start putting that together for you again. I have been helping people do this for half a decade. So very, very available if you've got questions and so on about how you can do this on a more practical level. But it's been my absolute honor to serve you guys today. Go and have an amazing, awesome week. Make sure you do your assignment. This only works if you do. You're going to get everything out of this that you put into it. And looking forward to the next session. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Duo with Dan with your host, Daniel McGenna. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit dmpotv.com. We'll catch you on the next episode of Do It With Dan.